You ever noticed in the shower, when conditioner falls on your toe, how much it looks like... I've said too much. You're listening, You're to, listening radio. to Radio FreeSatan.com. Enjoy the show. This is Reverend Brian Moore of the Church of Satan. Welcome to Nine Cents, and I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Sense. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It's February 10th. <laughs> I've got a great show for you this week. First, before anything else, let me just give a little shout out. Happy anniversary, baby. I love you very much. You know, it, being married for as long as we have, well, it's, it can be a challenge at times for both parties. Uh, it's always something that, in marriage in general, it's something you work on. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes it gets a little cheesy. Sometimes, sometimes you get a fever. I never know how much I love you. I never know how much I care. When you put your arms around me, I got a fever that's so hard to bear. You give me fever. When you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. Fever in the morning, fever all through the night. Sun lights up the daytime, the moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you know I'm gonna treat you right. You give me fever when you kiss me, a fever when you hold me tight. Fever. In the morning, the fever rolls through the night. Yeah, fever rolls through the night. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Uh, that's for my wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I've been married for a very long time. High school sweets are... Sweets? Hearts? <laughs> I'm blaming that on the pilgrim. But, uh, I mean, we've been married since... Uh, 97. You can do the math if you want. Um, long time, and we were together before even that. So, yeah. It's it's something that you work on, and your connection with each other grows. And, uh, yeah, if you put in the time, you reap the rewards. That's how it works. All right, and uh, I, I did want to speak to last week's bitching. <laughs> um, you know what? Every time, every once in a while, people get in a funk. You know, last week was my funk. Um, I am going to continue doing the show. <laughs> so, rest assured, or <laughs> you will continue to be cursed by this show's <laughs> continued existence. Uh, depending on, you know, which side of the fence you're straddling. But, yeah, I I drank a lot that day. And usually I moderate how much I drink, so I can <laughs> not get in funks like that. But you know what? Sometimes people get in funks. It's just something that happens. And I gotta say, I it, it may seem like, and I know for me, I feel like at times I maybe divulge a little too much of who I really am, my my real being, <laughs> because I'm spouting off opinions and and I'm bringing on guests that have relevance to uh, my mind, things that I'm passionate about, and. It would be easy to draw assumptions on my character or behaviors 
from this. I mean, after doing it for two years, you would think that I have <laughs> pretty much shared everything with you. But I haven't. And I've gone to great lengths to shield you from certain aspects of my life. And my bad moods are one of them that I failed last week. So I wanted to apologize to everyone for that. Um, I show you what I want you to see, like any good magician or performer. And I, I, <laughs> this may be telling you something you don't want to hear. I don't give you everything. I, I don't. And because I don't, uh, sometimes there's boundaries I have to toe, which can be challenging for someone doing what I do. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> it's, it's a constant struggle. Um, everyone needs privacies and I have, I have rage and I have depression and I have passions that I don't speak to, um, for personal reasons. And, you know, I, I try my damnedest not to let them bleed into the show. And I did last week and it's not going to happen again. So keep that in mind. Uh, one time bitch session. <laughs> You're not going to get it again. So enjoy it. <laughs> All right. And I finished the second episode, uh, half of the brew day videos. I recorded that today and that's basically the bottling of the sinner's red that I started for the war nation series. And, um, you know, I'm really, really excited about this new venue, this new project that I started on. I've gotten, I've gotten a lot of communication with, uh, those of you who are paying attention about your desires after having watched the video to, you know, dip your toe in the homebrewing water. And I am absolutely behind that 100%. I am, I'm very, very excited that the passions that I have for homebrewing have spilled over and, uh, infected, <laughs> infected you with my syphilitic homebrewing <laughs> ranting. Uh, and you know what? I hope you have a good time doing it. If, if you're thinking about doing it quickly, don't use the excuse that you're going to save money because you're not going to save money. If you're drinking beer that you get at a grocery store or a gas station, you will not save money. If you drink expensive craft beers or um, liquor store beers, then you'll probably save a little, but that's not the reason to do it. The reason to do it would be experimentation, uh, experience, fun, and a passion for beer. And if you don't have those, then you're just wasting your money and you're better, uh, you're better suited to enjoying a friend's home brewing experience than your own. <laughs> just saying. Um, and I also started a whole new segment. Um, I wouldn't say segment, just a new format for the videos. I, I brewed a Belgian white and I started a video series called in five. So it's basically the home brew day video boiled down to five minutes so that you see the process of the brewing the beer and not me ranting and raving about whatever is tossed in my head at the moment. So it's very much recipe based. It's very much fast and furious. It's in the spirit of the F word. Um, if you've never seen it, uh, look it up. It's, it's a, a really good cooking show and I'm trying to do something that will keep people interested, engaged in homebrewing and in Wart Nation, but also stretch my legs in a non-overtly satanic way, even though I would argue that Wart Nation is the pinnacle of Satanism <laughs> for, for me. But, you know, you would have to, you'd have to know a little bit about me and, and Satanism in order to fully get that. Um, but okay. So anyway, that's, that's that war nation is continuing. I've got more people uh, jumping on the bandwagon that are going to be contributing to the blog, which bleeds over to social networking aspects. So look forward to that. And like I said, I do have a really great show in the devil's advocate. I'm going to bring you, uh, my little take here. This is very much an Adams, uh, opinion here. Valentine's day or Lupercalia, a modern day satanic celebration. In the Infernal Informant, this is an article sent in. Thank you very much, my man. California no longer requiring 8th graders to take algebra. What, what? Yeah, that's right. You heard it. And I saw this on the news feeds and I couldn't pass it up. Accused witch burning alive. 
again, I'm blaming the Pilsner, accused witch burned alive in Papua New Guinea. And in Down to the Crossroads, that's right, I'm joined again by Aaron in another amazing episode of Down to the Crossroads. We ended up naming it Episode 8, Love in Vain, but there are some other names that after you listen to it may connect, may resonate with you a little more. Powerful. Daffy Duck. But <laughs> Love in Vain is a very appropriate name. She gives us some amazing music, and we basically just rant and rave about uh, Valentine's Day and, well, blues, and even the Rolling Stones creeps up. So uh look forward to that at the end of this episode, and that's going to do it. I've got some new radio spots that I'm going to be running this week for some other Radio Free Satan shows, so be excited about that. And let's go ahead and dive right in to another non-super moody 3D <laughs> episode. We're back, baby. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy anniversary, baby. You are your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And you are the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm an active member in the Church of Satan, but I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. Alright, let's talk about Valentine's Day. On his face, I realize that it's completely commercial, and I realize it's completely made up. And you can tell it's completely made up, because there's no solid historical reference for it. Uh, but there are some loose ones, and so, I mean, I'm going to push aside the Catholic Church and their saints. You may think that it's a solid connection, but it's not. And because they've made up everything else in their own faith, I'm going to chalk up those things as made up too. But I will say uh, its origins, much like many of our modern day celebrations, uh, are from Rome. That's right, people. Okay, so some stories suggest that Valentine may have been uh, an individual who was killed for attempts to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons, um, where they were often beaten and tortured. Uh, according to one legend, and I'm getting this from History.com, an imprisoned Valentine actually sent his first Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl, possibly his jailer's daughter. Um, I'm going to call it bullshit. Uh, another story, the Catholic Church recognizes at least three different saints. Um, one legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the 3rd century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers with than those with wives and uh, families. So he outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of this decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriage for young lovers in secret. And when he was caught... He was put to death. So, uh, those are two. Eh, okay, I, I maybe see that second one that I mentioned. Origins of Valentine's, a pagan festival in February. When some, while some believe that Valentine's Day is celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or burial, which probably occurred around AD 270, others claim that Christian Church may have decided to place St. Valentine's Feast Day in the middle of February in an effort to Christianize the pagan celebration of Lupercalia, celebrated the Ides of February or February 15th. Lupercalia was a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well as the Roman founders Romulus and Remus. Now, this seems more plausible because they've done it to every other celebration. So why wouldn't they do it to this one as well? They continue. To begin the festival, members of the Luperci, or Luperci, or whatever, an order of Roman priests, would gather a, at a sacred cave where the infants Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, were believed to have been cared for by the she-wolf, or Lupa. The priests would sacrifice a goat for fertility and a dog for purification. They would then strip the goat's hides into strips, 
dip them in the sacrificial blood, and take to the streets, gently slapping both women and crop fields with the goat hide. Far from being fearful, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides, because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. Later in the day, according to legend, all the young men in the city would place their names, I'm sorry, young women, would place their names in a big urn. The city's bachelors would each choose a name and become paired for the year with his chosen woman. These matches often ended in marriage. So, there is the ancient origins of Valentine's. Now, what makes this satanic? Well, because it doesn't have to be overtly satanic-centric to actually be satanic, I would say just the celebration of one's love and the connection between two human beings, that in and of itself is very satanic. But let's take it even a step further. What other holiday can you think of that celebrates the carnal connection between two people more than Valentine's Day? What day, what holiday throughout the entire year celebrates the indulgence, the, the indulgence of the flesh of another human being, but also chocolate rich delicious dark food of the gods chocolate and candy in general the sweets truly indulging in those uh those things that bring such pleasure and even a high to our minds and our bodies now they say that chocolate incites the same chemicals as love and so maybe it's perfectly fitting that they're both in the same holiday. But no one, no philosophy, no culture, no religion is more suited to a day of pure indulgence, carnal and commercial, than Satanists and Valentines. They fit together absolutely perfectly. Satanists thrive on passions of the flesh. Celebrate the connections we have with those that we've chosen to love. And really, who is better at indulgence than we? Yeah, a lot of people hate Valentine's Day because they've been spurned in the past or they think it's just a commercial whatever. It doesn't have to be. It can be a pure day of carnal celebration. It can be the most satanic holiday outside of your birthday of the entire year that you can share with people that have no idea about Satanism, what it means, or even that it doesn't even have a connection to themselves other than you. I say, let's make a satanic case for Valentine's Day. And everyone, indulge a little bit on the day, even if you're alone. There, We have ways. <laughs> And don't get caught up in the commercial bullshit. If you have someone you love, make something with your own hands and give it to them. Even if it is just your own hands. So, happy Valentine's everyone. Uh, it is truly satanic. Let's go ahead and dive into the Infernal Informant. Psst. Hey, hey. Hey, come here. Psst. What? Huh? Me? Do I know you? Hey, you're religious, man, aren't you? No more than anyone else. Listen, listen, I got a secret. It's, it's been eating me up, and I gotta share it with someone. Get the fuck out of here, kid. I don't know you. No, listen, man. It's about you. It's about your life. You're about to have what, what alcoholics refer to as your moment of clarity. What are you talking about? Are you okay, son? Sins are indisposable to every society organized on an ecclesiastical basis. They are only reliable weapons of power. The priest lives upon sins. It's it's necessary to him that there be sinning. Who the fuck are you, kid? I'm your infernal informant. This article is from Daily Caller. California no longer requiring 8th graders to take algebra. And this is posted on the 8th of February. California will no longer require 8th graders to take algebra, a move that is in line with the common core standards being adopted by most states. But that may leave students unprepared for college. 
Last month, California formally shifted to the Common Core Mathematics Standards, which recommended that students delay taking algebra if they aren't ready for it. Previously, algebra class was a requirement for all 8th graders in the state. The Common Core State Standards Initiate, which is supposed, or I'm sorry, sponsored by the National Governors Association, is an effort to unify diverse state education curricula. 45 other states and the District of Columbia have signed on so far, but some education experts worry that the change will further damage struggling students' college chances. Since early proficiency in Algebra 1 is an excellent predictor of college graduation, according to the Mercury News. Black and Latino students in California are significantly more likely to fail 8th grade algebra, and 80% of those who fail it once will fail it again when they take it in high school. A study published by the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights of the San Francisco Bay Area claims that some minority students who score well enough to place in the advanced math classes are often mistakenly held back. Schools have been disproportionately requiring minority students to repeat Algebra 1 even after they scored proficient or advanced on the Algebra 1 California standardized tests, said Kimberly Thomas Rapp, executive director of the committee, in an interview with the Daily Caller News Foundation. The new standards is a step back for California and may leave students, particularly minority and low-income students, unprepared for college, said Rapp. Back in 97, when the state went to a standard that expected students to take Algebra 1 in the 8th grade, that was really about looking forward to college competitiveness and preparing our public school students to be ready to compete to access college systems after high school, she said. The reality is, what we're doing now is lowering the standards. Instead, Rapp proposed that California schools improve the mathematics curriculum for the students in the 5th, 6th, and 7th grades so that they are better prepared for Algebra 1 in 8th grades. The Council of Chief State School Offices, which set the Common Core Standards, did not respond to a request for comment. Okay, first, and this may come into a shock <laughs> to some of you, if they are unable to put in the work required to understand Algebra at age 8, they're probably not going to be going to college anyway. So let's just, I mean, we could use that as a litmus test. If you don't pass algebra in eighth grade, you're not going to be going to college. It, it's probably just going to happen. Deal with it. Um, the ethnicities <laughs> outlined, um, let's just say proportionately, again, probably not going to be going to college. It's not as big of a, a, a cultural requirement. And if it's, if, if we're going to be falling back on um, stereotypes, if we're going to be falling back on ethnicity, and I, I have to say they go hand in hand for reason, then we have to realize that uh, typically for Latin families, though they are a tight-knit group and they cherish that familial connection, advancement in academia is typically not a big thing. They focus more on work ethic, and hard work. Uh, black families typically do not focus on academia at all, if they even graduate high school. Now, that sounds horribly racist until you realize that it's actually correct. Uh, and there's a reason for that uh, stereotype, because fractured and really, we have to be fair here, it's not just black families that are fractured, but it is the fractured family unit that actually uh, becomes a huge problem to a child progressing in scholastics. <laughs> it's not helping. You know, we, we send children to school to get an education, but that is not the end all. We don't just put them on the bus, wave your hand, and they leave. You have to be there when they get back for them. You have to help them with their homework. And if you are a one-parent family and you're working to support them, well, you're not going to be able to be there for them because you're working. So you can't help them with their school, and you're not providing that solid family environment that encourages further academic development. If you do have one parent working or both parents working, then they can usually arrange their schedules 
in order to have that support, have that help for the family. We have to look at the core causes here, and it's not the difficulty of algebra that's the problem. It's certainly not the ethnicities either, because, I mean, look at our president. <laughs> uh, pretty impressive, right? Half black guy. That's that's pretty big deal. So we have to realize that if it's not the ethnicity that's the detriment, if it's not the actual um, system itself, meaning algebra in this case, then it has to be the support. So it's the school's uh, approach to it, which is when the uh, um, the woman says that they need to focus more on, uh, it was uh, rap, proposed that they focus more on 5th, 6th, and 7th grades, building them up to algebra. Well, that's absolutely true. you got to realize everything with math is based on the understandings of the core concepts that precede it. So if you don't understand addition, you will never get uh, multiplication. If you do not understand subtraction, you will never get division. And it just builds from there. Now, I am not a math genius. I'm able to help my son, who in fourth grade is already going through basic algebraic formula in his school. So I don't understand why an eighth grader wouldn't be able to do that. But certainly rolling back this idea that, well, if they're not ready, we shouldn't teach them how to do it you're setting yourselves up to fail. You're setting those children up to fail even more. Rather than dialing back on a case-by-case -case basis standards, why don't you focus on the fact that they're not understanding it because they're being taught inappropriately and they don't have the support at home to help them understand it? Now, here's where things get a little tricky because... Economics has a lot to do with it, too. If you can't afford internet in your home, you can't afford that sort of backup. Now, there were some uh, issues that my son was having trying to figure out uh, a math problem that I was even struggling with. So what did I do? I went to YouTube, looked it up, saw a online instructor giving a little brief scenario, um, and I picked it up. I explained it to him. He picked it up, and we're good to go. Because I had access to the internet, something is simple. And, and you wouldn't think that that would be an issue nowadays, but there are huge portions of the population with limited or no access to the internet. Um, if I didn't have that access to help my son with it, it would have taken me a little bit longer to go through his, his materials and his books, I, but I, I would have been there because I, that was my, my role there. I wanted to help him understand it. And now he's really good at winning awards at a school for mathematics and divisions. I'm very, very proud of him. Um, but even it, and my point here is not that my son is awesome, <laughs> even though he is. Uh, my point here is that you have to support your children. And if you're not there because you're working, well, that's awesome that you're providing them a roof over the head, clothes on their back, and food in their bellies. That's more important than anything else, especially algebra. Let me state that. But you have to ensure that they have the ability to get extra help. So if you're the school and you know that those people, uh, those people, those students who are struggling don't have the support at home that they need, then it is up to that community to provide. And that means start earlier. Make sure they understand core concepts at the point that they're supposed to understand them and then help them in a clear and concise way build on those concepts. Don't dial back. We as a society have done nothing but dial back. And I think it's absurd. I do not think removing the requirement to understand something like algebra in eighth grade when someone's not individually ready opens a door to let everyone who is even challenged a little bit just to say, meh, it's hard, I don't want to do it. And if you don't think that's the case, then you don't know human nature. Give someone a chance to get by without doing their work, and they will get by, because that's the type of person we're breeding. And now, here's one realm where we can prove it in school. We're allowing them to sham, as I would call it, from the military, but just skate by without doing what's expected of them because it's, oh, it's hard. I didn't think thinking would be hard. We are setting them up to take a huge fall in life 
if you do this. Now, I don't live in California, so you know what? If you want to just fall into the sea, it's not my problem. Do your thing. I don't care. But I'm just saying, for our society, don't do shit like this. All right. Well, anyway, great article. Thank you for bringing it up, man. I, I really appreciate the the listeners giving me articles. I think it's amazing, and I love that you're engaged with the show and that you uh, you know you want to hear a rant about it. <laughs> That's great. And the next one, accused witch burned alive in Papua New Guinea. I saw this uh, February eighth. This is by uh, Port Moresby. A mob stripped, tortured and bound a woman accused of witchcraft, then burned her alive in front of hundreds of horrified witnesses in a Papua New Guinea town, police said. It was the latest sorcery-related killing. Yeah, that's right, the latest. There have been others in this South Pacific Island nation. Bystanders, including many children, watched, and some took photographs of Wednesday's brutal slaying. Grizzly pictures were published on the front pages of the country's two largest newspapers, The National and The Post Courier, while the Prime Minister, police, and diplomats condemned the killing. In rural Papua New Guinea, witchcraft is often blamed for unexplained misfortunes. <laughs> oh, third world problems. Uh, sorcery has traditionally been countered by sorcery. But responses to allegations of witchcraft have become increasingly violent in recent years. Um, Kipari Leniata, a 20-year-old mother, has been accused of sorcery by relatives of a 6-year-old boy who died in a hospital on Tuesday. She was tortured with a hot iron rod, bound, doused in gasoline, and then set alight on a pile of car tires and trash in the Western Highlands provincial capital of Mount Hagen, National Police Spokesman Dominic Kakas said. Deputy Police Commissioner Simon Kawuba on Friday blasted Mount Hagen inter investigators by phone for failing to make a single arrest, Caucus said. The police were apparently not cooperating, I'm sorry, the public was not cooperating with police, and police carrying out the investigation were not working hard enough, Caucus said. He was very, very disappointed that there's been no arrests made as yet, Caucus said. Oh, well, we, you know what, I was just going to think that he was uh, full of shit, but now that I know he's very, very disappointed, <laughs> I gotta say, I feel a lot better. The incident happened in broad daylight in front of hundreds of eyewitnesses, and yet we haven't picked up any suspects yet, he added. This is a very American tradition. Maybe they're just going through their own uh, early, you know, American enlightenment. It takes time. Ignorance, stupidity, and ignorance have to be uh, breeded out. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Caucus described the victim's husband as the prime suspect and said the man had fled to the province. Caucus said he did not know if there was a re relationship between the husband and the dead boy's family. He said more than 50 people are suspected to have laid a hand on the victim and committed crimes in the mob attack. While many children had, witnesses, had witnessed the killing, there were no child suspects, he said. Uh, Kaka said onlookers were shocked by the brutality, but were powerless to stop the mob. Police officers were also present, but were outnumbered and could not save the woman, he said. There is an internal investigation underway into what action police at the scene took. Police Commissioner Tom Kulunga described the slaying as shocking and devilish. Oh, there's that language. You're just continuing the problem, douchebag. We are in the 21st century and this is totally unacceptable, Kulunga said in a statement. He suggests courts be established to deal with sorcery allegations as an alternative to villagers dispersing justice. Yeah, we tried that too. We did. Prime Minister Pete O'Neill said he had instructed police to use all available manpower to bring the killers to justice. It is reprehensible that women... Okay. So, what this hasn't said yet is that in in video um, correspondence and investigation, that it was stated that she had admitted to having a role in the child's death. And that's why the mob flew into a frenzy, called her a sorceress, and burned her alive. So, uh, um, there's no excuse for vigilante justice. There is um, no excuse for murder. Um, and if that admission was before the torture began, 
then she deserved to die for having killed a boy. I doubt that that's really the case here. We're dealing with pure third world ignorance. And that is they've been taught to think this way. They've been taught this way by their ignorant uh, ancestors. And <laughs> as shocking as it is in our world nowadays, we haven't broken through that bubble yet. There are going to be places like this. Um, what I, I hear stories like this, and I can't help but think, that's horrible. Uh, I should probably do something. And then I quickly stop myself and say, why the fuck do I even care? This doesn't affect me personally. Um, it doesn't affect anything that I believe in as a truth in life. Meaning, uh, it's not a society that believes in the laws that I believe in. It's not a culture that follows the cultural teachings of my culture. It is not a religion that I adhere to, nor even acknowledge. And it's not a way of thinking that uh, is in line or in contact in any way with my own. It is so far removed from me that it is literally this story. And I don't bring this story to you to tell you how horrible it is in New Guinea and how we have to help... I don't know. They're, they're not even really sorcerers, so it's not like we have any connection magically. <laughs> if you can, if you can even, you know, wrap your head around that idea. But I, I connect with the idea of the witch being scorned. Uh, because <laughs> I, I grew up identifying myself as a Satanist. I grew up recognizing the uh, ideas of magic as outlined in the Satanic Bible, uh, the way the Satanists see it. And that is completely misunderstood by everyone. Um, even some people who identify as Satanists, sadly enough. So, <laughs> if, if the idea of witchcraft is so misunderstood, even by those at times who follow it, it's not shocking that, uh, you know what, people are going to freak out about things that they don't understand. And this is just, you know, prehistory thinking. This is the way the world is, and this is the way it happens. Um, uh, Magister Peggy Dramia, wonderful woman. I watched a movie with her in the end, and this is actually in the uh, Nine Cents Presents Satanist and Satanic Cinema. Um, she had a really great little... Um, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a speech, but she, she said a few words that were really powerful. And I don't want to give it away because I, I think you should hear it in her voice and, um, you know, the way she said it uh, in that episode. But it's the idea that we are still alien. We're the alien elite, but we are alien. And that this idea of, of witch burning uh, in the United States is in our history. The literal burning of witches. but. It is still our history, and we can see that this activity is not vanished from the world. I mean, granted, it's third world, but if you look at the political and cultural climate of the United States since the 70s, we've gotten very close to this again. And so you have to keep in mind that it is cyclical, it is um, religious and economic-influenced uh, behavior, and it is something that can actively happen right now uh, in, in our days today. So we always have to be aware of that. So when you, when, and this is why it's always nice to have a little bit of caution when you out yourself, know your, know your audience, uh, know who it is that you're speaking to and don't just out yourself to anyone because misunderstanding um, intentional lies about who and what we are what we mean and stand for, and um, just hate is pervasive in human beings. We understand that. Uh, we accept that. But that's why we have to be cautious. Um, be smart. Uh, don't be a New Guinea. Pig? Is that bad? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> All right, well, there's actually a lot more to this article, but I mean, I... I've given you what I've wanted to give you for the article. Check it out yourself. It's at abcnews.go.com. 
and again, alleged witch burned alive, Papua New Guinea. All right, so that's going to do it for the Infernal Informant. Thank you for sitting through that. Um, I, I mean, some important things in that segment. I, I, I just want you guys to, to think about, even if you don't agree with my perspective on it, let it sink in a little bit and come up with your own assessments. Um, uh, I'm going to give you a short break and then we're going to go ahead and dive into the, uh, down to the crossroads, which is a great episode. So uh, stay tuned. Let's see if I can find some comedy on TV. It's the Jay Leno show. No, not again. Yeah, let me try online. Uh, let's see. Comedy. Is an airline food crappy? And dogs again. Guys run Hollywood. If women ran Hollywood, the romantic comedies would be a little oh, more. Oh, no. Alexander Graham Bell. What the hell was on his answering no, machine? No, no, There's got to be some good free comedy on the internet. But where? If you're looking for comedy that's not made for the masses, listen to The Devil's Mischief on RadioFreeSatan.com. No predictable hack comedians. No shock jocks. But every week, a unique hour of carnal comedy clips and netherworld novelty numbers. To learn more about the show, visit DevilsMischief.com. The Devil's Mischief. Comedy that's not made for the status quo. You're after us. You know we're still in here at terrortransmission.com. You're after the place. You don't know why, you just remember. Remember that you want to be in here. Remember that you want the greatest horror commentary podcast ever. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. When there's no more room in hell. What? Something my granddad used to tell me. You knew Mukumba? Hmm. Voodoo. My granddad was a priest in Falcon Crest. He used to tell me, when there's no more room in horror podcast hell, the fiends walk to us. Terrortransmission.com Alright, there you will. Sure you won't stay out in this blackout? Sure is dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. See yourself! What are you doing out here? Oh, I'm, I'm headed down to the crossroads. <laughs> Wait, miss. You can't be. You're the, you're the devil. devil. But you're, you're beautiful. beautiful. Just sign here. Oh my God. Welcome to another Down to the Crossroads. As per usual, I'm being joined once again by Aaron. How are you, my dear? I'm doing great. How about you? Super duper. <laughs> so, what do you got for us this week? Well, as I'm sure everyone knows, Valentine's Day is coming up next week. Oh, so happy. <laughs> Are you excited about Valentine's I'm so excited. Are is you it... excited because you get your wife awesome presents, or because she gets you awesome presents, or because you get a blowjob? Um, I'm just assuming. Is it, is it okay if I just say the last one? <laughs> I don't care what you say. I don't know about no present. <laughs> No. Um, okay. Yeah. It, it's sort of that idea where it's like forced loving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you can't have a Valentine. If I bring you a shitty ass Daisy, I best be getting some loving. And that, <laughs> this is the, the the only day in the year that that is a valid statement. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so what about you? What do you, what do you get your man? Um, I like to make him stuff. Not like macaroni art or anything like that but i mean like food you know because obviously what do men want they don't want flowers they don't want at least my boyfriend doesn't want like electronics or some things that maybe other men are into so i just i bake him goodies wow. and i cover it with chocolate whatever whatever i happen to make is covered with chocolate sounds pretty good i've never had a like a lasagna covered with chocolate oh you haven't lived then <laughs> <laughs> so good so mm. creamy and saucy mm -hmm. <laughs> no I, I i think um we got married my wife and i um the day before uh valentine's because <laughs> we that couldn't... seems like poor planning 
<laughs> what did you good. do? Uh, it wasn't exactly the best of planning, but we, we that's when we got married. So we always sort of, you know, forsook Valentine's <laughs> for our anniversary. So this, this really, how could I possibly be spending um, my anniversary nine cents week slash Valentine's week uh, more appropriately with another than with another woman? You know, it's, it's she's exactly. gonna totally, totally appreciate that. I'm sure. But, you know, I've been married for so goddamn long that mm -hmm. um, it's okay. <laughs> we're, we're okay with it. <laughs> yeah. You're so long. Yeah. So, it, it's so like every year I forget, and then when I find out the exact number, I'm just like, oh, what? How what are you up to now? We? Triple uh, digits? <laughs> no, but close. We're, we're creeping in on the triple digits, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 99 yeah years. so what what does your man usually get you for valentine's what's the uh well he does like to also get but um make me things because oh, he's an artist yeah. so he <laughs> i mean he gets me little things here and there but mostly i really actually like the things he makes for me last year he made me some um uh well he did an illustration for me and kind of stuck them to a bunch of those um you know those what are they called smarties yeah, with the little yeah. like well uh, you know sayings on them yeah but he made it. It's it was racist, of course, because that's how that's we get how our our best laughs is by um, <laughs> racist humor. Um, nice. It's the American tradition. Yeah, that's <laughs> we're just carrying it on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you kind of have to. You know, it's not really an option or anything. Nah. So nah. he doesn't do like flowers. Does he ever like cartoon up his junk? <laughs> what a horrible notion. That's amazing. That would be amazing. No, it wouldn't. Mm -mm. <laughs> No. <laughs> You'd be like, look at Daffy Duck grow, baby. Oh, dear God, Adam. <laughs> what are you... I'm not... I can't. I'm never gonna... <laughs> it's your fault that Josh isn't gonna have any for the next two weeks. Oh, that, poor that guy. image is gonna be in my mind. <laughs> did you say Daffy, by the I way? Did. Daffy Duck? I oh, did. my God. He's I gonna did. shit a brick when he hears that. <laughs> Daffy Duck. It's Donald. Come on. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, anyway, so what? Enough of this shit. Show. <laughs> what do we so have? <clears throat> we were, yes, Valentine's Day. So uh, obviously, you know how I like to do a little theme. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of the anti-Valentine's Day because really you'd be hard pressed to find some blues valentine's day songs it's kind of uh, counter to the idea. yeah there aren't a lot of love songs in the blues genre but you know the, the good blues that mm -hmm. that we like right. um you know so most of these songs are about what happens when love goes wrong <laughs> oh. oh you end up being married for triple digits <laughs> no that's <laughs> it was right adam oh right, right. it's right before valentine's day <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do we got? What are we hitting first? We're okay. I feel a little bad because we're starting really strong. So I hope that the show doesn't just go downhill from here. Um, but we're going to start with some Robert Johnson. And, mm. you know, who can argue that he's at least one of the most influential, if not the best, Delta blues musicians? So how about we just start this one up? All right, let's do it. Down the streets. Yeah. Some pretty mama's not breaking down with me. Stop breaking down. So. Yeah, stop breaking down. It's hard to talk over this because it's just so good. Our <laughs> playing is so phenomenal. That, that voice of his, that. Woo. I love that. I'm going to have to turn it down on my end so I don't just keep listening. Um. So this song's called Stop Breaking Down, or Stop Breaking Down Blues, depends who you ask. Please stop breaking down. Please, woman. Now how romantic is that line? The stuff I got will bust your brains out, baby. You lose your mind. The white guy would be like, stuff I got him. Yeah. Tickle the outside of your leg, you want to know I'll be done. Gross. Why do you do this? So good. 
So Robert Johnson, what can be said about this man that hasn't already been said by others much better but he's you know for me at least he was the single most important musician in my early life you know when i was 13 i found my father's uh, robert johnson box set and i never gave it back to him once i found it and i've still got the box set and i listen to it all the time and what's amazing about robert johnson well there's so many things but you know he only had really two recording sessions in his life so all the songs that we have of robert johnson were recorded in two sessions you know he died at the 27 years old but he's like everyone knows who robert johnson is even people who don't really give it shit about the blues you know yeah. it's amazing to think of, of the you know the lasting influence he's had on music in general i mean so many people have covered his songs i mean i don't even know what the rolling stone it, just this song alone you know covered by the stones lucinda williams the white stripes i mean it was just it's so clear you can clearly see how this became rock and roll you know it's it was so ahead of its time when it came out in 1937 i think but it's such so obviously like the um prototype for rock and roll what it would become uh years later you know yeah let me just say quickly (laughs) fuck the stones yeah yeah goddamn overrated i totally agree (laughs) (laughs) this pissed me off all their music there's like three songs I'm sure you could even guess them. They were worth a damn. And I just cannot stand the idea of, of someone like the Stones doing <laughs> fucking like, the Johnson show. Yeah. But, yeah, I totally agree. I I just can't. I, I know they're good, I guess. And a lot of people like them. And a lot of people say, you don't know what you're missing. You're doing it wrong and all this. I just can't. I just can't. I don't care. <laughs> There's so much other good music out there. I really don't have time to go back and like discover the Rolling Stones. Like that just seems like such a waste of my time. Yeah, like, seriously. I've I heard, mean, you know, I grew up listening to their shit like under my thumb and uh, honky oh. tonk and like I'd oh. rather fucking shoot myself in the head than have to hear honky tonk woman again. So <laughs> I'm cool with the Stones. They just leave a bad taste in my mouth. I know we're probably offending. Well two three people but <laughs> but fuck those people i don't fuck those two or three people <laughs> pussies don't like good music yeah uh, no but back to robert johnson man i mean even if you don't know shit about music at all you yeah. know you know his legends and i mean yeah it's just he's he has he's one of the few people who in his life was probably abused and shunned and ignored for the majority of it until he died at a very young age, but has achieved what so many have tried since, true immortality. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is alive That's- and well, and it is shocking that uh-huh. uh, it's so pervasive no matter where you are in the world. I mean, there's literally a handful of people who've done that, and, and mm-hmm. being one of those is amazing. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's funny. We're, we, uh, on the Down to the Crossroads Facebook page, we've been having a somewhat lively discussion recently about Robert Johnson and this mm-hmm. uh, third photo that's been found unearthed of Robert Johnson. It's actually, I mean, it's funny to think that we're so excited about a possible third <laughs> yeah. photo of a man, you know, that, which means, of course, there's only two existing known photos of Robert Johnson. And um, it's funny that this this third photo sort of um, story comes up perennially. Like it's been going on, I think it was discovered in 2007, but like every year it comes up like new photo found and it's still <laughs> the same, like same photo. We're still just debating whether it's him and who, who else has that sort of power. You know, who else commands that sort of attention year after year? Like there's a third photo of this guy, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, you can, not enough can be said about Robert Johnson and the influence he's had on music. Well, so, I, I did love the track. I'm really great. And I love that little coup he, he does. That, uh, the, I would love to just listen to I've been listening to that literally all day, almost <laughs> almost just in a constant loop. Because, uh, yeah, and there's um, a couple things I wanted to draw you know attention to is there's one point and this is this comes from listening to it just over and over again today but there's a point at like a minute 15 in that song where he does this thing on the guitar that i'd never really heard until today um and it sounds like i'm not sure if it's a goof or or a 
fucking spark of brilliance, but it just, it's just like this tiny little shift in the way he had been playing. And it just, I had to sit there and just click, click it back, click it back and just hear it over and over again and blew my mind. So I'm going to do it real quick. Hold on. Yeah, do it. (laughs) It's going to blow your mind. So I would, I would encourage listeners to go and listen to that song and find the, I think it's like a minute and 15 and into like 125 or so. And I'd love to do some research on just that, you know, like 10 seconds of that song to figure out if that was a goof or if that was intentional. And if it was, it's just, it's glorious. It's gorgeous. Are you hearing it? Do you hear it? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for it. Mm. I'm not sure I'm, I'm catching it, to be honest. Well, maybe do it on your time, Adam. No, I think everyone can wait. (laughs) A little patience never hurt anyone. Okay, so let's go ahead. (laughs) Patience so much. We can move on. (laughs) Okay, well, there's one more thing. At the end of the song, there's a little bit of slide, almost like a coda at the end of slide guitar, because it's not, there's no slide in it until then. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's almost like, I think some, I've read some, someone described it as almost like an inside joke to himself. And I just love that. There's like just this (laughs) tiny little at the end and you're just like oh yeah he's um amazing guitar player <laughs> <laughs> don't forget yeah all right so let's move on and hit play together on this next song done so, mm. this is our good friend victoria spivey yeah, you, you. you might remember her from the halloween episode i think it's a and this is <clears throat> Murder in the First Degree from 1927, and she's talking about how her man done did her wrong, and how she is sitting in a jail cell. Whoa. Not not her fault. It was his fault, as you, I'm sure, agree. <laughs> um, well, in her case, I'll agree. <laughs> Good. It's probably best. Well, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. She'll come back. Mm-hmm. Um, this line right here, this, yeah. he, my man got running around with a woman he know I can't stand. <laughs> to me, sort of implies that there are women that she does approve of him running around with. It, it this does woman, sound like that. She's like, no, this bitch, I can't stand. <laughs> terrible manners, and so <laughs> bitch can't even make fried chicken. So this is yeah. This is the straw that broke old Vicky's back here. This bitch. So there's a, there's one notch on my gun, she says, and the world's rid of one trifling man. <laughs> cautionary tale for all you young men. Oh yeah. The blues is full of cautionary tales for men. <laughs> <laughs> I killed him, and that's all I know. I don't know nothing else about it. <laughs> so Victoria Spivey, she's one of my favorite blues, uh, female blues singers. Uh, you know, she had a pretty long career that most of the other female blues singers didn't. Like um, Ida Cox and Bessie Smith, like they were huge talents, and they sort of towered above Victoria Spivey as far as her singing. I mean, she's not the best technically at what she does but she had this really long career because she was kind of savvy business-wise and um and she was a there's a sincerity about her that i don't think i'm not calling either one of the uh, ida cox or bessie smith insincere but she had this texas sort of you know started her career singing in barrel houses and uh, brothels and stuff like that and she just kind of was streetwise you know she kind of could just handle her shit, you know, with the other women. Um, so she just had this long career uh, that the others kind of didn't, even though they maybe, you know, technically were better at what uh, what they did. She showed them all. God damn, I love it how she says Moida. Moida, yeah. I love that. I love that she says at the end there, she says, I said I, I ain't done nothing but killed a man what belonged to me. <laughs> <laughs> that was my man. I can do what I want. Fucking around, I can take him out. That's right. Yeah, it is one of the, like, my mom would always, okay, I say always, but she would say, uh, I brought you into this world, I can take you out of it. It's that sort of idea. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, she's just like, I don't, what's the deal? Like, it's my property. I'll do what I want, which is great. You know, it sort of turns the whole gender roles thing on its head because, um, you know, a lot of, well. <laughs> I well, know, I mean, I, it is you know. nice because, you know, there is a sort of ownership sensation that men try <laughs> to exhibit. And so it's nice to see it on the other foot. Like, hey, this is a marriage, 50-50. If I'm yours, you is mine. Right. You ain't going to fuck that girl I don't like. <laughs> it, it is funny though. I mean, she would if it was a girl that she did like. What what sort of that? You know, there's clearly yeah some women that she did approve of and allow him to you know step out like with. She wouldn't have killed him. She just would have like beat the shit out of him. Or no, no, she's just cool with it. Like, you know, maybe she would have. You know, I'm sure she gave him some lip, but I mean, I'm sure she didn't, regardless of what he did. But uh, maybe she hit him with a frying pan or something. But <laughs> But this bitch, she's like, oh, hell no. Not this trifling whore. And she, you know, then she shot him. Oh, man. Well, she's got a notch now. Yeah, just one, though. But because <laughs> she's probably going to, you know, I was hanged. And, <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, I dig her, man. I, I really, I really, really like her voice. I love the piano. That's mm -hmm. um, always accompanying her. Good stuff. Yeah. Yep. All so, right. So this last one, now, I know I've played some Sonny Boy Williamson before, so I'm going to try not to repeat myself because I, I adore this man. Let's, uh, let's start her up. This is called Your Funeral and My Trial, <laughs> which is a great title. <laughs> and this great version, face. oh, he's, he's just fucking great. Everything about him is fantastic. Listen to that. Mm. He's got it's just style. Yes, some swagger right there. He's not a good-looking man, but I would do anything he asked me to do. <laughs> it's like, um, oh shoot, now I can't uh, recall it right away. But anyway, there's a quote from uh, some composer. He says, "I'm not a handsome man, but when women hear me play, they come crawling to my feet." <laughs> and that's sort of how I feel about Sonny Boy Williamson. He is not a good-looking dude, but there's something about when he says, you know, uh, please come home to your daddy and explain yourself to me, where I just go, yup, okay. <laughs> Anything to say, daddy. <laughs> but I love this. He just says, I'm begging you, baby, cut out that off the wild jive. <laughs> just like, cut the shit, woman. I like that he's given the chance. I don't think, I don't think Victoria gave the chance. Nah, probably not. just got to be Oh. Of that harmonica. oh, he is the king of the harmonica. That's that was one of his nicknames. So you know, Sonny Boy Williamson two, not to be confused with Sonny Boy Williamson one, which I think last time I talked about him, I explained they had no relation at all. Mm -hmm. It was just a good name that he liked. <laughs> Probably a marketing um, scheme by one of his managers or record producers or something. But I mean, that fucking harmonica yeah. playing is beyond anything else we've seen. <laughs> I've never heard a singer strut with their voice like this. Oh, isn't it fucking amazing? <laughs> isn't it great? So cool. You might think I'm joking, but... And what's great about this video, this, this is a live version, as I was saying, of this song. The, the recorded version is, is good, but this is, you know, this is immediate. You can just see, I mean, the sweat on his brow and that swagger and that, you know, harmonica playing. He's just amazing. But the funny thing is that maybe at the beginning or the end of the video, you can see... Um, <laughs> The room is just, uh, this is from a DVD that was released in 2004, I think it was called Blues Legends, and it's live in Europe. Because uh, Sonny Boy had a pretty good career in the 60s, uh, traveling around Europe, and, uh, but I think this was recorded at, like, in Brussels, and it was in, <laughs> if, it, if, it, if you see the, the uh, audience afterwards clapping, it's just a room full of, like, serious white folks, you know? And maybe one brown dude right in the middle. Yeah, That's right in the middle. He looks like a like fucking a Muppet. <laughs> they do not even move. They're just like, oh, good job, black man. Yeah, but 
Can you imagine being in that audience and seeing that? That would be badass. I would have much more facial appreciation than those damn suits did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, nice. So we have some good themes here. Um, lost love, murdered, mm. murdered love. Um, <laughs> and a little bit of threatening. A little bit. baby, best stop. It's going to be your funeral. My trial. Yeah. <laughs> some damn good music, Aaron. Well, good. I'm glad you liked it. Absolutely. Oh, I cannot wait. I got to tell you, man, these uh, these down the crossroads make my month. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Well, I hope you and your man have a wonderful Valentine's. You as well. You and your man. <laughs> my I mean... man and I always got something. <laughs> I've been keeping that a secret for 16 years. It's a badly kept secret. It's the world's worst kept secret, Anna. Everyone. Damn it. (laughs) All right, well, it's out of the bag now. (laughs) Anyway, if you want to follow Aaron, you can check out the Facebook page, Down to the Crossroads. It's spelled Down to the Crossroads. (laughs) It's spelled Letters. <laughs> it starts with a D and ends with an ound of the crossroads. Uh, and on Twitter, you can follow her at ChelseaGirl19. Um, and uh, you've been posting some really crazy uh, photos lately. I, yeah, pictures of me putting things in my butthole. <laughs> so follow me on Twitter, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I I but- immediately just started thinking of that Eddie Murphy like spoof song. <laughs> Put a tree in your butt. <laughs> Put a bumblebee in your butt. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, we need to do more duets on this show. That's what I'm hearing from. We you right should now. do that. We should do that <laughs> song as a duet. We won't do that song. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. That won't happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it's not. Happen. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, until next month. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. And that is gonna do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 cents via iTunes by searching 9 cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, Visit RadioFreeSatan.com, the source for online satanic media. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan. <laughs>